Okay, I'm cleaning out my garage. And this swing has swung at least seven grandchildren. It has a slightly frayed cord. It's going to Goodwill tomorrow, unless it happens that some of you happen to need a baby swing. Okay, next one. If so, let me know. Or if you know someone that needs one. This is a magnolia tree outside my bedroom window. We planted it many years ago, decades ago, and it seemed to be doing fairly well. And then, thriving less and less and maybe some ten eight or nine years ago we had to remove a large tree beside it and it kind of really shown how sparse the foliage was and how badly it looked and I thought mm, mm, you know a, a really bad looking tree is kind of worse than no tree at all and maybe we're gonna have to give up and before I gave up on it I always consult Randall Wilcher who knows much who knows much about horticulture and I said Randall my magnolia tree looks really awful he said well have you fertilized it well oh, I have lots of big maples in my tree that have been there 80 100 years I don't ever fertilize them it never dawned on me I needed to fertilize this tree and so I did and it's quite amazing how it has flourished point being most things that are important to us need attention and resource and time. And that's what we're going to talk about. I don't know if Josh is looking for you. Anyway, um, <laughs> in, anyway uh, we're going to talk about some relationships this morning. And that is kind of the, the metaphor that I would like for you to have um, is, is that magnolia tree. Uh, in the same way that Josh, if, if you haven't been to worship, are you going to be in here? I think I might be in here. Mother's Day. <laughs> um, he had a, a wonderful reminder that Mother's Day is painful for many people. And I, I, I am very grateful for that kind of respect. Um, and what I'm going to talk about today can have the same difficulties. I'm going to talk about families. And I know that some of you all are single parenting. Um, I, I know that some of you are parenting with, in a divorce situation, and I know that some of those things are really difficult. I hope, even though I know that I'm going to revert to using family, I hope you will think in terms of relationships. And I hope you, you will, if you are single parenting, that you will value that you need a support system too. And it may not be a spouse, um, but it, may, it needs to be somebody whether it's your parents, whether it's some good friends, but, but you need a support system. And so I'm going to urge you to be intentional. Yeah, yeah, come on in. Be intentional about nurturing and fertilizing that support system. Let's look at some um, characteristics of strong families. I don't think this is a research piece. I think this is more based on someone's observations, but they seem to make a lot of sense to me. Characteristics of strong family, we're going to respect and appreciate each other. If you say to your children, you're just like your father, is that a compliment? If it isn't, please don't say it. <laughs> um, in this day of sports and computers, everything is analyzed. And I, I'm really finding myself a little ill at ease because you know so much about some of this. I'm thinking, oh dear, 
Trust me, there's someone in here who doesn't think that I am. <laughs> um, well, if I understand correctly, that many people look at different players, I, I, uh, um, especially in basketball, that they analyze time that the player is in the game. Sep in terms of what is happening in the game, not just looking at how many rebounds or how many turnovers or how many points. And there are certain players that when they are in the game, even if they are not scoring or rebounding, the game goes better. They tend to make everybody else better. And that's part of what happens in a healthy family. We make each other better. It may be that we balance some things, that my husband does too much of this and I'm the balance, or I'm too fearful about this and he's the balance there. But in a good family, we tend to make each other better. Um, I also like we fully value each member's contributions to the family. You are obviously a gener different generation from this, but in the generation that I grew up in, there was a pretty strong valuing of the wage earner's role above all else, and I think that's terribly unhealthy. Uh, I think everybody's contribution to the family uh, should be valued um, in, in a healthy family. Contributions may be different but they're all critical to what happens in a family. Okay, Amy, let's go to the next one. Okay, we need to communicate effectively, okay? Okay, they listen to each other, they do not criticize, demean, or make fun of each other. In Malcolm Gladwell's uh, book, Blink, I think this is where it is, he talks about uh, a psychologist that observes um, engaged couples, and I assume they just kind of videotape um, where they're, they're, they're sharing a meal. They've just gone out to dinner and they're, they're, they're visiting. And he looks, they, they rank different characteristics and different styles of interaction, and then they've looked at that over time and which of those couples survived. And one of the best predictors of a relationship that's going to fail is where there is this underlying lack of respect. It's, it's the rolling the eyes. It's I'm not talking about disagreeing, but I'm talking about contemptuous is too strong because you don't usually see it in that form, but it is, there's a certain kind of a demeaning. And I know our culture thinks that's so cool. I mean, there's always that, I think one of the most dangerous things that the sitcoms have done is it's always that clever, I mean, it's truly often clever, funny, biting comeback. And so we think that's an appropriate way to communicate. It's not. It hurts. Okay, needs are verbalized. Um, I'm going to talk a little bit about grandparents, in-law. Mother's Day, why not? Some of you will deal with some of those issues before the day is over. <laughs> um, um, Christmas, uh, celebration of holidays, is often territory for hurt feelings, stress, angst, etc. Um, and it gets really complicated when you've got to, because you're not only dealing with two families, but you're dealing 
with multiple people in those families. So, so my thing is, I want my kids all together, and I pretty much make my peace. It can be most any time. So the year that my son suggested Martin Luther King Day, I said, no, that is too far from Christmas. We're going to have to have it in the month of December. Um, but so they've got three sets of schedules, but then they've each got other sets of in-laws that they've got to make it work out with. And so it happened that we were um, visiting with my daughter's in-laws and her, her sister-in-law, we were all there. In summer, and so we were kind of thinking, well, let's talk about Christmas. <laughs> My daughter's mother-in-law came back. She said, well, everybody said, the daughter-in-law says, well, what do I want? What, what, what would you like? And the mother-in-law said, I want Christmas Eve. And I thought, really? You live in Mississippi. One of your children lives in northern Georgia. Another one lives in Louisiana. And I live in Tennessee, and you want Christmas Eve? You know? Well, the daughter-in-law immediately said, well, that's not going to happen. And we went on from there. <laughs> now, I say that I'm not sure there wasn't something healthy about that. It got on the table. It's, she was quick to say, can't make that happen. So let's go to your next choice. What would you like next? <laughs> I think maybe this is a gender thing. Maybe it's a southern thing, but lots of us want somebody to read our mind about what we want, and we kind of hint around at it, and then we get a little put out because they don't. That's not fair. I've had no patience with women who say, well, I want my husband, what is the line? He should know what I want. Well, <laughs> what world do you live in? <laughs> that is not an appropriate response. Um, but, but, but let's at least get our needs out there and let's try to deal with it. Yes, there's got to be some realism about that. Okay. Arguments are not avoided, but they fight fair. Um, this means you don't demean, you don't put down, you don't call somebody stupid, you don't even think that they're stupid. Well, you certainly don't let them know that you ever think you're stupid. Um, I have a vivid memory of a friend, who has a lot of critics, who talked about that she was sure her marriage was doomed because in the first several months of their marriage, she and her husband found all sorts of things to disagree about. And she perceived that her parents had never disagreed. Um, now, I'm not for having... Um, intensely emotional battles in front of your children. But if you never disagree in front of your children, you have failed to teach them a very important skill, and that's the skill of, of fighting fair. So, and again, if you're not dealing it with a spouse situation, it may be in terms of how you disagree <coughs> with a friend or another family member. These are lessons that are applicable in any of those situations. Um, next one. Um, family members admit when they're wrong and they apologize and they make amends. Okay, next one. Strong commitment. Family members are sacrificial in their efforts to care for each other. Next one. We're not going to threaten to give up on each other. In yesterday's paper, there's... Um, a really sweet um, 
column about advice to graduates. And you know, it's kind of like this everything I learned in kindergarten, lots of little sweet lines. But one of them is don't give up on your family. Love your family even when it's hard. And I'm not just talking about your children, but I'm talking about your extended family. Uh, and it will be hard sometimes. Even the best of us sometimes make a mess of things. And I, I think this, let's don't threaten to give up. I see an awful lot, even in church-going, Jesus-believing people, of, I'm done. I've tried, and I'm done. We have it in our family in some places. And I, I, I don't think that's what we're called to do. I, I think it's hard sometimes. I think there have to be some boundaries. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But I don't think we should be done. And I don't think that's what you want your children to see. Because you don't, may not believe this, but you are going to aggravate your children when you are the grandparent. Maybe not very much, but the chances are good. You're not going to mean to but the chances are good you will, and you're going to want some grace, and they're going to know how to give grace if they have seen. Okay. Um, last one. Everybody contributes to the work of the family. Okay. Every family's got to work this out in their own way, and I think your generation tends to do it much better than the generation, my parents' generation. I think but this is an area in which um, we made some progress. Um, what has worked in our family, and we have a very strange division of responsibilities in our family. I sat my children down before they married and said, this has worked for your father and I, it is probably not going to work for you. So, you know, you need to know that this is not your typical. But the bottom line for me was that it was fair for us both to have somewhat comparable free time, okay? So there were times when his job was, you know, he, he, my, my husband's a college teacher. The end of the semester, he's loaded. And so I'm going to pick up some slack for things. When there's a new baby, I'm loaded. He's going to pick up some slack for things. But at the end of the day, if he comes to home and sits down and reads his book for three hours when I'm still working furiously, there's something wrong. Unless I have spent three hours during the afternoon when he was at work reading my book, okay? There needs to be some balance there. And that's only going to come when we talk about it. But in an emotionally healthy family, I'm not fuming on the side because he's the king of the house and comes home and relaxes and I'm still working frantically. Nor am I the queen of the house where he's at my beck and call. Okay? And we encourage each other. Okay. Parents, sing off the same page. Okay. Um, let's go to the next one. Normal is what you have experienced, okay? In my family, Christmas is a, growing up, Christmas was a really big deal. It probably came from my father's growing up on a farm. And by Christmas, 
you knew how the crops had done that year. You kind of knew what your major expenses were. So you were a little bit more comfortable spending money at Christmas. And so in my family, everything that was bought from October on was saved for Christmas. Socks, underwear, anything was saved to add to Christmas. And so everything was wrapped up. And Christmas, I don't see, it wasn't that it was extravagant, but there were, it was just, it was, it was wonderful. And I loved Christmas. And Fletcher grew up in a family where resources were, were granted tighter. That was just not their tradition. And that wasn't a big deal. And so the year that we decided that the kids were getting a basketball goal, I mean a big, in the concrete, big, good basketball goal, which is not cheap. I thought we need, I mean this is December, so it's not gonna go in in time for Christmas morning, okay? It's gonna be a basketball goal on the back porch with a ribbon on it. And they're gonna love it, but there's not gonna be anything to do that day. And I knew we needed some other things to make Christmas special that day. And he didn't get we're getting them a basketball goal. Gail is several hundred dollars. What's normal to me wasn't normal to him. Okay? And you've got to dialogue enough that he understands what my memories are. And I understand how bizarre he thinks this is. Okay? I mean, that's fair. And then... We, we got in the gift shed. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, I made this sound really simple. I've given you an example of one that we negotiated pretty successfully. We did get some extra things because they weren't nearly as elaborate as I thought they should be, but they were not so elaborate what he felt pretty good about. I have a um, cousin, and I have cousins in here, and I've told them they are not to try to guess who this is in the we come from a very large family. Um, and when his first grandchild was born, he said to his daughter, I'd like to set up a college fund for the granddaughter. Uh, but I will need her social security number to do that. And the social security doesn't come. And so a few months later, he says, you know, I need to get her social security number. Oh, yeah, yeah. And a few months later, he says, is there a problem here? And she says, yes. My husband doesn't want you to do this. Now you're thinking, what father doesn't want a college fund for his kid? And that is what you know, all of us, and, and my cousin was terribly offended. But as he's telling me the story, I'm reading between the lines that this son-in-law comes from a family where control is a finely tuned and I don't know whether his hesitancy is that he wants to control it or that he's scared they're going to control it. <coughs> but that's his history. That's what he thinks is normal. Okay. Make sense? So before you start, before we start judging someone's absurd response, you might want to Um, go back just a second to the same page business. You've got bright kids, and they are going to play this at any opportunity, okay? And that doesn't mean they're bad kids. That just means they're smart. 
I knew growing up if I wanted junk food, which parent to go to? I would not go to my mother to ask for junk food. My children knew which parent to go to for different. Want to elaborate? Dad, if you want to stay up later. Yep. Um, Go to mom if you want to spend money. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> spend money. Um, and they would have, there'd been something wrong with them if they didn't use that, okay? Where you get into trouble is where they manipulated in ways that as parents you don't feel good about the outcome, okay? And I will caution you about being really careful that you don't use, um, don't play yourself against the other parent in a way to make you look good and them look bad. If you're finding yourself allowing your child to do something, you say, but don't tell dad I'll let you do this. That is a huge red flag because you're taking away from something, a togetherness, a we're a family with the parents that should be very sacred. Okay, next one. Healthy families, emotionally healthy families, have a strong value system. <clears throat> it permeates life. Something that's bigger than ourselves. Next one. Sense of humor, we laugh at ourselves. We're all on the same team. Um, I was telling some of this at Christmas. My grandchildren and my children and my in-law children are totally comfortable making fun of us and, and do. Um, it's not mean-spirited. It's funny. Sometimes it's even clever. But at Christmas, the oldest grandson made some comment. He said, yeah, this family just has so many things to make fun of. And I said, we feel kind of really every family does. We all have our kind of egocentricities. <coughs> and another family, uh, an in-law family member said, but not everybody's comfortable laughing at them. Now, I'm comfortable with my kids and my grandkids making fun of me. Why? I know they love me. I know it's safe. And so I think this sense of humor is important, and yeah, you've got to laugh sometimes. If you don't, you're crazy. But the other side of that is, let's make ourselves feel real secure in our families, that I can trust that you're going to take care of me, that you're not going to make fun of me in an ugly way. Next one. Okay, we're going to deal with crisis in a positive way. Um, get help when you need it. I know that there are several family units in this church that have personal histories of lots and lots of dysfunction. And they decided very early in their marriages that they were going to break the pattern in their family. And one way they do that is when they hit a rough spot, they pretty much have a counselor on speed dial. And I applaud that says this is important to me. 
and you need to know that if there are counseling situations that you need and finances are an issue, Otter Creek has funds available to help you with that. Please don't ever fail to get help because you think you can afford it. And one more thing, get it early. I cannot tell you how many marriages I have seen blow up. And by the time anybody knew about it, there is so much hurt and so much pain and so much water under the dam that it, it's a scrambled egg that can't be put back together. But if somebody had known that five years earlier, Okay, next one. Okay, spent, um, families spend a lot of time together. I'm sorry, there is no... You can't have good quality without having some quantity. And keep going. You know the value that the value of children having meals together. The drug use rate among teenagers is correlated with eating meals with their families. Now I don't mean to oversimplify that, but that family time is important. Traditions are important. Um, family members doing family things as a family unit and just having fun just enjoying each other's company okay let's talk about grandparents I bet I've got do I have a grandparent if I had a class full of grandparents I would say an entirely different thing than what I'm going to say but I don't have them here if I had them here I'd say come on let us help let's let go Let's respect our kids, but I don't have them here to say that. So I'm going to tell you what you can do. Um, let's go to the next one. Extended family, I'm sorry, can give a child the blessing knowing that, I, mean, I think extended family is wonderful. I think it's really important. Go ahead. Those intergenerational can give a variety of different perspectives to your child. For one thing, as grandparents, we're going to love those kids differently. I'm going to love them more. But we're not responsible. And we've also lived long enough that many of the things that I worry about as a parent, I think, oh, why did I spend so much energy on that? So we have a little bit of a, of a more relaxed way. We're a little bit free. And yet we are, I'm not responsible for them. So at the end of the day, I don't have to worry about all, I don't have to you know, provide their college education. I don't have to worry about all their discipline issues. I'm just a little freer to love them, okay? But that same variety produces challenges and discomforts. Okay, let's go to the next one. Okay, this one is, these are pretty personal to me, and so if they don't make sense to you, just say, should know what she's talking about. I am often called off guard because I share so much history with my children, and we share a lot of the same values. And I'm thinking, we're all on the same pages about this. And lo and behold, they say something or make a decision. And I think, where in the world did that come from? It kind of shocks me. It's disorienting to me. Conflict is often less personal than we perceive. Remember my story about the um, cousin whose son-in-law won't let him set up a college fund? It's not about him at all not about him at all. Okay. Um, let me give you my theory. This is just Gail's. I 
often see angst developing in extended family between adult child and the parent, the older parent, when grandchildren come. Um, and I suspect that at least in some of those cases, it has to do with both of the unexpressed concerns. For instance, I remember my daughter, not I mean the other one, and her husband decided they were not going to spank. Um, that is pretty much how I raised my children, so my daughter was very familiar with that. Son might have decided that that's something he felt good about because he had not felt good about the amount of spanking that went on in his family. That's how they thought children, they had all boys, and they thought that's how they should be raised. At a birthday, I don't remember which one, said grandson <laughs> behaves in a way that the other, uh, both sets of grandparents are there. Other set of grandparents think spanking has clearly been, it should clearly be applied. And they voice that. And son-in-law, he's brand new to this parenting business. He's not ever done that before. He's not been a part of a family that didn't spank. And yet he's, he's trying hard to buy into what the wife wants. And yet here's his mother and daddy. So, but they're over here thinking, what kind of disaster are you going to have if you don't spank? That is exactly what they're thinking. We love this grandchild, and we don't want him to grow up to be incarcerated. <laughs> now, I really and truly think that's what they're thinking, okay? And furthermore, they don't want to be embarrassed. He's a Church of Christ preacher. They don't want to be embarrassed by how poorly he's going to behave when he comes to visit them. So they're concerned, but here you've got a mom and a dad that are very new at this parenting. They're really insecure, and they're hearing criticism. Do, do you see how this is manifesting itself? And, and I think this happens over and over again. Now let me add another level to it. And I, Again, I'm going to talk to you. There is a whole other side that I would be saying to your parents, okay? But you are dealing with grandparents that are going through their own kinds of life crises. Maybe about the time you're having first grandchild, they have a completely empty nest. And so what's, what's meaningful to them? What's life looking like? And then you're doing things differently than they did. I have such a bittersweet memory of my mother coming to stay with me when my first child was born. Um, I was a premature baby, and back then you put children on rigid schedules. You fed them every four hours. She would feed me, I would spit up most of it, and cry for the next three hours. Of course, in crying, I got so much air that the next time I fed, I spit it up again. And her memory of me as, an, as a newborn, and she's by herself in a city with no family because my daddy's in the military, and that's where I happened to arrive to her. And she says, and because I'm having a baby who's full term, fat as can be, sleeps and eats beautifully, and it was an on-demand feeding, so she would wake up, she would be hungry, I would feed her. 
She would sleep two hours, and eat again. She would sleep six hours. And I remember my mother saying, it just makes me so sad that I didn't know that this was a okay. But my mother was doing what the book said, what the doctor said, okay? Now, she could see the difference, but you're, sometimes I don't see the difference. Sometimes it seems really strange to me. And it almost feels like somehow you're criticizing the way I did it because you're doing it differently. Does that make sense? And do you have the right to do it differently? Absolutely. It's your child. But that's where I'm coming from. Okay? So. Here. Yes. What about boundaries for Give me just a minute. We're going to get there, I promise you, <laughs> quickly. Conflict often feels, it feels like personal criticism. It is very often more about my personal need. Okay, serious issues deserve serious conversation. If there is a big deal, don't just hint at it. Don't be the little southern woman that wants to kind of put it out there and hope you'll catch on all on your own. Don't do it when the kids are screaming. Say, there's something that's really concerning me. Can we find a time that we can sit down and talk about this? Next one. And then when you do deal with conflict, work hard to find ways to affirm. I know you love me. I know you took parenting seriously. I am grateful for the heritage of good parenting that you gave me. I'm trying to do it the best that I can. Yes, we know that car I believe now that car seats are really important, and I know you didn't do car seats. But please help me with this one. Are we getting it? Okay, now let's go to boundaries. Okay. Oh, oh, find ways to affirm, and especially when you are right and they are wrong. Okay. And you're going to be. That's going to happen sometimes, pretty often. Okay. All right. Now let's talk about difficult extended family. Um, I have a good friend whose mother is a closet, the grandmother is a closet alcoholic. She looks wonderful. She holds a responsible job, but my friend, I think, appropriately believes that it is not safe to let grandmother drive with the children in the car. So that is their family rule. That's a boundary because they're not taking any chances. They can't always be there to check grandmother, and so the rule is they don't ever let their children drive with grandmother. But they make all sorts of efforts to have the children visit grandmother. They take them over there and maybe even leave them extended periods of time. Uh, not weeks, I'm not talking but they may even spend the night. They've taken them. They know that grandmother's in good shape. Um, they visit on Mother's Day. They, they do things together. They have not used the child as a pawn or leverage. Now, the bottom line is you hold all the cards. The kid's yours. You're going to make those decisions, and you should make those decisions. But be careful how you use your power. And be cautious that you don't pass your baggage <coughs> to your child. Um, for, I have a friend who has a really very, very, very difficult relationship with her mother. And they have had years of, of estrangement. They, she has made some effort to reestablish some contact. And the children just 
adore the grandmother because when she comes in, she has, she gives them their full attention and whatever. And my friend kind of doesn't like it that they like her mother so much. She wants them to understand the pain the mother's caused her. Okay, next one. All right, so how do you explain to your child? Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna let you do this. Or, or how do you explain bad decisions? Or what your family value says is a bad decision? Uncle Joe smokes all the time, and smoking is something that you think is very unhealthy, and and so you think that's a bad choice. How are you gonna deal with it? Why does Uncle Joe smoke? Doesn't he know that's unhealthy? What are you gonna say? Okay, matter of fact, don't blame, you don't say he's an awful person. Uncle Joe's made a decision. It's not the decision that we think's best. And that's the reason you can't, you know, we don't go to Uncle Joe. I, my grandson, one's asthmatic, couldn't go to a great-grandmother's house because the smoke in the house was so great that it triggered his asthma. But they, they found ways to eat out at a restaurant where they could at least have something. So you may not have what you want, but have as much as you have. And this is my last line here. My um, brother lived away, he lived up in Virginia. His in-laws lived Ohio. They found going to visit his in-laws very difficult for many, many reasons. And so they tended not to do that. And so to be fair, since they didn't go see the in-laws, they didn't go see his parents very often. And there was no estrangement, and we certainly saw them periodically. We would even go, he was very willing for us to come there, eager for that, in fact. But I think the family value that was passed on was and we're just not going to do this. And I think he's really regretful because his children don't have a tradition of doing, didn't have a tradition of doing very much with grandparents. And so they're not following that tradition. So you treat, I think you're going to want to treat the grandparents in the way that you're going to want the kids to come back you're modeling. They don't ever turn off the video cameras. Yeah, did that answer your questions at all? You want to be more specific? Well, I was going to ask you, so for instance, you have a conversation with an in-law and say, these are our family values. So for instance, trying to limit the amount of sugar, bringing in junk food. Then every time that specific person comes in, it's tons of bears and tons of apple juice. And how do you if you've had that conversation, how are you a little bit more forceful but respectful? I don't have easy answers, I, but I, do, I, think your word, I, I think your choice of words is respectful. I would be really sure that you've had a really good conversation in the sense that it isn't, oh, please quit bringing treats all the time. It's, let's sit down and, and let me tell you where, where we're coming from. This, this is the, the body of knowledge as best I understand it. I'm really trying hard to be a really good daddy and having healthy kids, I think that's so important. And so I know that you enjoy the treats, but 
we really need some boundaries here. And if that's still, and maybe even giving, you know, bring bring one thing or bring, or if they come in with everything, say, whoa, you've given us enough treats for the next six months. Why don't you pick out what you would like the children, you know, pick out three gummy bears or pick out whatever, give them a little bit. Does that make sense? But yeah, it's okay. Now, I'm going to tell you to pick your battles. My parents, we were pretty strict about TV, what you could watch on TV. And I knew my parents let my children watch a few things that I didn't. They weren't awful, okay? So I decided, okay, for the times that you're my parents, Love Boat was one of them. Now, they get old enough, Love Boat's okay. But there is a time that I thought Love Boat didn't send the message I wanted sent. I decided they could see Love Boat a few times and it didn't hurt anything, okay? They had more cold drinks at my parents' house than they had at my house. I think some of that's okay, but you're right. There've got to be some boundaries, and and I think you just, I think if you decide that as a parent this is a battle you've got to fight, I think I think you've got to fight it. Just be gentle with it. And there may be something below the line. The yes. reason they're letting, in my example, is letting them watch way too much TV or bringing the sugar gifts is because they're covering up an insecurity. Yes. Maybe if they have, it needs to be addressed. How many of you, oh no, 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 this is not appropriate to ask. Many of us had a, had one grandparent, one grandparent that we loved a little, no, loved some other, that we enjoyed more than another grandparent. I was one of two grandchildren on one side and one of 20 on the other side, okay? So where did I get the most attention? I got enormous attention when I went to visit that grandmother. And there were frankly more resources, so I got gifts and treats and opportunities there that I didn't get there. She was also happy and vibrant and positive and this one was old and negative. I'm going to tell it like it is. But I had a favorite grandmother and so do I kind of want to be sure I'm the favorite grandmother? But then that kind of says there's got to be an unfavorite grandmother. And that's not right. I'd like to embrace, let's all be favorite grandmothers. But yes, it's, it's often our insecurities. Yes, I've kept you too late. Um, thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>